Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. What I want to say today is something um, that's really quite simple about you know, how, we've, how we're going about living our lives as Christians and kind of just stepping out of the boat. Okay? When we become Christians, <clears throat> pardon me, we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour and we trust that his promise to take away our sins uh, is true, that you know, our sins have been taken away. We're born again and now we're part of God's family. We're God's children, and children always have an inheritance, and we have an inheritance uh, with a heavenly Father. So that's all good, but what happens next? <clears throat> Do we just stand around and wait until we get old and die? Well, the answer, of course, is no. God has a great plan and a destiny for our lives, and it's up to us to step into it. Um, some Christians are sometimes reluctant to step into the destiny that God has for them because they're not sure where it's going to lead them to. What's going to happen if I step into my destiny, if I say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do? You know, where am I going to end up? Faith, sorry, the, the African Impala has this problem. It can jump to a height of three metres and cover a distance of about ten metres. And yet, these magnificent creatures can be kept in any zoo with just a little fence one metre high around it. You know, how, how can this be true, you might be wondering. Well, why don't they just jump over the fence and escape? And the answer is simple. The impala will not jump if it cannot see where its feet are going to land. And faith is the ability to trust when we cannot see. Now, stepping out or jumping when we can't quite see where our feet are going to land. And so sometimes when we have step out in faith, we are freed from sort of these flimsy enclosures that, that fear puts around our lives and holds us back. Overcoming fear in practice is often harder than in theory when we have to step out. You know, we all like to hear stories of... Um, how the Christian faith has worked in other people's lives. And even better, we like stories of how our Christian faith is working in our lives. There should be a natural, or maybe I should say a supernatural, um, part of our lives you know, when we're stepping out in faith. However, many struggle uh, in coming to see the things that they've been praying and believing for. Because, you know believing for things to become reality and they struggle with it. On the surface, it seems really simple. You know, we pray and believe and God will move on our behalf. And in essence, that's true, but sometimes there's things that can get in the way. The first thing is probably a very obvious thing. We have to be living lives that are honouring to God, living our lives by the laws, you know, the way he wants us to live our lives. Uh, none of us are perfect, so we're never going to be able to live sinless lives. But nevertheless, uh, in Jesus' name, our sins are forgiven. 
and God will not hold our sins against us. Simple as that. If we deliberately choose sin to sin, then we're not honouring God or his offer of salvation that he has for us. And when this happens, our attitude to God is not right and it really becomes hard for us to get God's attention and see him work great things in our lives. And uh, if you've been a Christian for some period of time, you'll know that's, I guess, an obvious point. But the answer to this problem is really quite simple. If you know you've sinned, you simply say yes, sorry, simply say sorry to God and ask for his forgiveness and he'll forgive you and your sins are washed away. Secondly, if we want to move in faith, we usually have to take the first step. Taking the first step shows God that we mean business and we're prepared to trust him even when things are looking awkward for us. I want us to look at some occasions in the Bible where this happened. Let's firstly look at Joshua chapter 3 verse 8 and then also verses 13 to 17. And these verses tell us what happened when the nation of Israel was about to enter the promised land. Right? They had to cross the Jordan River but the problem was it was in flood. So starting at verse 8, it says, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And, it's, and then in verse 13 it says, And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So the people broke camp to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the, the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap, piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So the people of Israel were about to cross the Jordan and enter into the Promised Land. But they were halted at the Jordan River because the river was in flood. Now, these days, the Jordan River varies between one and three metres deep uh, at Jericho, and it's normally about 25 metres wide. However, although it's only you know, a few metres deep, apparently the flow is so strong that you can't swim against it. And during flood time at Jericho, the river is twice as wide. So the Israelite people had arrived while it was in flood, and it was flowing wide and it was flowing strong. They couldn't just get in and cross it. How were they going to get across? And of course the word was, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant are commanded to walk into the river and then stand still. The, the waters of the river in flood would stop and wouldn't stop until the soles of their feet were in the water. Right? They're not told to stand at the edge of the river and wait for the water to stop. They're told to step into it 
and then the flow stops. Now, now if you've ever stepped into a flowing creek or river, you'll know that it's pretty difficult to stand up and keep your balance. And so the priests weren't just stepping in there, they are also holding these poles on their shoulders which were holding the Ark of the Covenant. So they had this weight as well. It must have been a testing moment for them. But when they stepped into the water, the river stopped flowing. They stepped in, then God moved. And I think it's an interesting point because um, often when we're faced with a similar test, we often want God to move first and then we'll move. And that way, I guess, no faith is involved. When we're moving with faith, we have to take the first step and believe and trust that God will respond to our faith. Let's look at another story. There's quite a few stories that follow this line. We have another story involving faith and stepping into the Jordan River. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, we're not going to read all the verses, but it's between 1 and 19. It concerns a military commander from Aram, or Syria, a man called Naaman. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, soldier but he had leprosy. Um, can you put up the next one? The, the reason is, I've got the whole thing written out here, but I'm only going to read part of it, and I couldn't remember what I'd sent to the, sent them. Okay, so Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. So here's a story. We've just told it very briefly, of this mighty military commander named Naaman. He's at the peak of his career, all's going well, but then he discovers that he's got leprosy. And in those days, leprosy was an incurable disease. And the, the bodies of those with leprosy just gradually deteriorated until eventually they died. We all eventually die, but they were going to die sooner, is what I mean. Leprosy was effectively a death sentence. Fortunately for Naaman, his wife had a Jewish servant girl who had been abducted from Israel and she told Naaman's wife that he could be healed by the prophet Elisha who did mighty works in God's name. So he loads up with gifts to give Elisha as payment for healing him. 
And when he comes to Elijah, he expects Elijah to come out to anoint him, uh, you know, put some ointment on him, to pray over him, maybe some incantation, and uh, he'd be healed. But Elisha did none of these things. He didn't come out to speak to Naaman. Instead, instructs one of his servants to go out and tell Naaman to go and bathe in the Jordan River seven times. And, of course, as we saw, Naaman is indignant and he goes off in a rage. But, but fortunately, uh, Naaman's servants speak some common sense to him. And they said, you know, all you have to do is bathe in the river. If he told you to go and do some, sent you off on some awkward quest, you would have done it. All you have to do is bathe in the river. So Naaman obeys. He goes to the river and bathes seven times and he's gloriously restored. He took a step of faith and God responded. And there's a similar story in the New Testament concerning ten lepers. And that's in Luke chapter 17 verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? How has one returned to give praise? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. So you can probably guess where this is going. Right, while these men still had leprosy, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest because the priest was the one who could tell them, sort of officially say, you're healed. So they set off and they've got leprosy, but as they're going along, they're healed. They took this step of faith. They did something that might have seemed illogical and counterintuitive, but as they made the effort and set off, they were healed. I'm only going to tell a few more stories here. Let's look at another story that required faith. Um, this is, I guess, a common one that you'd know. This is in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. And uh, it says, immediately, because Jesus had been feeding this 5,000 people, and they're sort of hanging around, and Jesus is going to dismiss them. And it just Jesus gets his disciples to set off in a boat. In verse 22, it says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and go to the other, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later, not later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was considerable was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out with fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, 
Peter replied. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they were in the, climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So as I said, immediately before these verses, um, Jesus had miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So after that, what had been obviously been a big day, the disciples set out across the lake in a boat. And it was now dark. The wind was against them and they were being battered by the waves. And it says between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the water. And I was thinking, so that was a big day. They had this day feeding these people. And if they'd been up rowing in this boat all night, so it's now like 3 o'clock, between 3 and 6 in the morning, it would have been, they would have been getting tired. But Jesus comes to them. When, he sees, when they see him, they're afraid and they think it's a ghost until Jesus speaks to them and tells them not to be afraid. And so, you know, Peter answers back and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Now, I just want to stop here for a moment. I think I've been out fishing in a boat at night only about three times. The weather was relatively calm. The boat had some lighting and we had life jackets, right? But even so, I wouldn't have been keen to step over the side into the water unless I really had to. Peter, on the other hand, was in a boat in a rough weather. There was no floodlight to see what was going on and he didn't have a life jacket. Naturally, if he'd stepped out of the boat on a night in rough weather, he probably would have been swept away unless he'd had a rope attached to himself and the other end was attached to the boat. <laughs> Stepping out of the boat at night in rough weather wasn't for the faint-hearted. But Peter took a step of faith and climbed over the side and began to walk to Jesus. He took the first step and then discovered that he was able to do the impossible. So in each of these stories, the people, one, some people, in the case of priests, there were a number of them, but other people stepped out and took the first step of faith and saw great things happening. What keeps us from stepping out in faith? When Peter stepped out of the boat, it was a rather, I guess, a dramatic event. would have been pretty interesting to see. By comparison, when we're making these stepping out of the boat moments, they're quite small, quite subtle. They're not as dramatic, are they? And sometimes we fail to see that what we must do figuratively to step out of the boat because we fail to see it because we're looking for some dramatic event or, um, or something that's going to be a big deal when, in fact, God's just working with us and he just wants us to give, show him a simple act of faith. Looking back to Naaman, you know, he was expecting some difficult challenge, not something as simple as just going and bathing in the river. But that simple act was the thing that brought him healing. And I think sometimes we, get, we can get caught up in that same sort of thinking. 
Um, I used to know this old Anglican priest who started out working as a sheep shearer. And although he'd been in the ministry for many years, there was still a lot of the shearer left in him. What he said was often blunt but practical. And he told me once of an occasion early in his ministry when he was uh, working in a country area that was suffering from drought. As, he, as the drought dragged on, the people of the church asked about having a prayer meeting one night you know, to pray for rain, which is, seems a logical thing to do. And when they gathered together, the priest asked them, did they believe God could send rain? And they all immediately said yes. And uh, he just said, well, if you believe this, then why haven't any of you brought an umbrella with you? Now, it's kind of a comical thing to say. It might seem like, but you see, there's a truth behind it. They really needed to take the first step to show God that they were serious about believing for rain. Now, that might seem like a hard thing to say, but taking the first step shows God we're serious. And as I said, it mightn't always be dramatic. It might be just some simple thing. Um, As many of you know, uh, I produce edible oils as a hobby. And um, although I can produce them, one of the things that I'm not very good at is marketing and, and that sort of thing. And so when I first started doing this some years ago, I was thinking of making it a business. And um, I really didn't know quite what I was going to do. So I thought I might have to pay someone to help me. But at that time, I didn't have much disposable income. So I had this idea kicking around my head for a while. Well, how, what am I going to do? I need to get help from somewhere to set it up. And uh, while I was thinking about this, this was over some weeks probably, Gay and I were going to a reunion of her old nurses, nursing sisters training group. And as we were getting to ready to go, because we were going to this big place, or a big hotel somewhere, uh, I casually, pray, casually prayed, Lord, it would be great if I crossed paths with someone today who could give me some advice with my business. And it was just kind of a casual thought. It was kind of a casual prayer because I really didn't know how I could possibly meet up with someone who could help me. There was usually two other men at this thing. One of them was a, a truck driver with, a, with an alcohol problem and I didn't know what the other guy did. So I was kind of thinking maybe I'm going to meet somebody at this hotel, cross paths with them somehow. But a few minutes later, as we were about, I'm literally about to walk out the door and leave, I had this thought popped into my mind. Maybe it was a God-given thought. And this thought was, if you're serious about meeting someone to help you, why haven't you got a pen and a paper so you can write notes? (laughs) And um, so I thought about it for a moment and I realised... I've got to make a choice. Will I take the easy option and and decide it's probably not going to happen and so continue out the door? Or would I decide to go and get a pen and paper and effectively step out to see what would happen? And there was just this moment of decision. So I decided to go and get the pen and paper and we headed off. And when we arrived at the function where this... uh, where this was. Initially there was only one other man there and when we sat down to eat it happened that there was a vacant seat next to him. So I went and sat with him and we began chatting and I discovered that Bill, this man, um, 
had recently retired from his job as the marketing manager for a large company. I won't mention their name. But when he told me this, I'm sitting there thinking, what? I'm praying for help and I'm sitting next to this guy who knows all about it. I told him what I was doing and he offered to help me. Now, I didn't take any notes that day, but we caught up a few days later and I took plenty of notes on that occasion. In my own small way, I'd stepped out of the boat and God had honoured that. You know, just going back and getting a pen and some paper didn't seem like a big deal. In fact, at the time I had to question, am I really serious about this? But I did it. When you begin to step out in faith in God, your first steps are probably going to be small. They probably won't seem dramatic, but nonetheless, God will respond. Right? Let me make it clear, I'm not saying that we have to earn God's help. Right? God already loves us and he wants to help us. He wants to help us. In the examples that I've just read, when the people stepped out first, they were showing that they were serious in their belief and they were prepared to prove it. I think another reason that people struggle with their faith is because they don't know what it is they're believing for. I'm going to run out of time, but hurry up. They lack a plan of what they're believing for. I think it was um, Paul Yonghee Cho who said words to effect, said people who pray vague prayers get vague answers. And I think that over the years I've been to maybe at least a thousand prayer meetings and one of the things that frustrates me is the way that people often ask for prayer but then give non-specific reasons, details. For example, they might say, well, my body needs prayer. You know, well, what does that mean? Does it mean you've got a, a sore finger or a sore toe? Or do you have cancer or, or diabetes? Something serious. If you're stepping out in faith, you need to be specific. Right? Some people have said to me, well, God knows what's wrong with me, so I don't have to say. But when you seek God, you need to be specific about what you need. Right? You might think I'm being legalistic or pedantic. But, you know, here was, was that story of Bartimaeus. I talked about it last time I preached. But, you know, Bartimaeus was that... Um, blind man who was a beggar and he's on the road into Jericho. Here's Jesus coming. He calls out. Jesus stops and calls him over. And um, I guess all the people who were there, all the locals knew that he was blind. It was pretty obvious. And no doubt when Jesus saw him, Jesus could see that he was blind as well. But what did Jesus say? He said, what can I do for you? <laughs> right? Now I think it was an obvious question to ask because he already knew what the problem was, but he wanted Bartimaeus to tell him, well, this is what I want. And Bartimaeus said, I want to see. So when you're praying and stepping out in faith, be specific about what you want. All right, I'm going to have to skip over a bit. Stepping out in faith um, can be... A challenge sometimes, and it's, look, it's pretty easy in theory, but it's not always easy in practice, right? It's a challenge. Um, often when I'm going to preach or doing stuff in the church, it seems like there's an issue that's going to stop me. And um, this morning I wake up and I've got an acute case of arthritis in my knee. I could hardly walk. And I was 
sitting there at the table having some toast this morning, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Maybe I could um, get a chair up here and sit on it. I, mean, I haven't seen anyone sit there and preach yet. Maybe I could sit up here and preach and then put up with it. And then as soon as the church service is over, I'm out of here. I'm going home because I'm in pain. And you can guess what I thought. Hey, you're preaching on stepping out in faith, bud. So what are you going to do about it? right? So I said, okay, I'm going to make the effort and I'm going to stand up here and preach. And I am standing up here and preaching and I've only got a slight twinge in my knee, which is pretty amazing compared to what it was this morning. Admittedly, I have taken some painkillers earlier, but this was quite serious. Jesus is calling us to step out of our old lives and come to him. And it's pretty exciting. And when we take the first step and see God move, we're often surprised by what happens next. And we're left thinking, wow. After asking God to bring someone across my path to help me uh, and then randomly choosing to sit next to Bill, who was just the man to help me, all I could do was sit and think, wow, you know, God heard my request. Jesus, Jesus is calling to you to come now. He wants to show us the plans he has for us and plans that will surprise us and amaze us. We have to choose to step out of our comfort zones and take the first step towards the destiny God has planned for us. It's up to you to respond. So if there's any of you here today or any who are watching online who haven't given your heart to Jesus, uh, let me tell you, he's still calling out to you and saying, come. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the guilt and the sin that you've been holding on to in your life will be washed away and you'll be reborn. You'll feel free to have been rebuilt, been reborn, a new person. So take the first step and give your life to Jesus today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.